Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, open up your Bibles tonight, if you would. We're going to be going tonight to the book of Genesis, and uh, specifically Genesis chapter 41. Before we get there, I'm going to go over one or two other scriptures, but I'll put them up on the screen so you can see them. Uh, but the, the, the story that we are following um, is a story about Joseph. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Genesis, I encourage you to just go and read it as a wonderful historical, biblical history lesson on how God oh, interacted in the lives and in the families of generation after generation to introduce his covenant and to preserve his covenant. A covenant is an agreement, and God offered mankind um, a promise, but it it was not good just to offer it. It's important to realize that God offers us a lot of things, but that does not mean that, that, that they are secured in our life just because he offers them. You know, uh, if I had, uh, I, I don't have any uh, money in my pocket tonight, but I do have a breath mint. So we'll use this. I know it's not as glamorous as a hundred dollar bill, okay? No one's running up here to get it. But, you know, uh, this breath mint, something as simple as this. If I were to offer it to you, and by the way, if anybody ever offers you breath mint, take it, okay? But uh, <laughs> how did I get to here? Well, this is about Jesus and the Bible. What am I doing? Okay, it's a good life lesson. Uh, if I were to offer you this breath mint, okay, imagine it to be a $100 bill, uh, I could hold it out here all day long. The offering of it is, is my part, okay? My willingness to give it. You may not even believe I'm willing to give it. You might think that if you ran up here to get it, I would jerk it back from you and just laugh at you. That's what some people imagine about God. Or you might think I'm lying. It's not really a breath mint. It's something that's going to hurt you. Or some of you might even imagine I don't even exist. <laughs> but if I exist, and if this is a breath mint, and if you needed it to live... I could still offer it to you all day long. But unless you reached out and received it, it would make no difference in your life. And that's the way it is with everything that God offers us. God offered a covenant to mankind, but he looked around for someone that would receive it. The Bible says that God sought for a man that would, that would embrace him and receive him and could stand uh, you know, uh, in, a, in, a, in a position of agreement with God so that through that family, so that through those individuals, so that through those generations, God could continue to speak in the earth and bless the earth and could continue to share his plan for mankind through people that trusted him and believed in him. You see, if, if, if you do not trust God, if you do not believe he exists, if you do not trust that he's good, if you do not imagine that, that, that he meant what he said when he said that he would give you eternal life through his son Jesus, if you don't believe that and have no confidence in that, then most likely you're not going to go around sharing it with others in a way that they would believe it. So God, throughout the book of Genesis, was looking for people. And indeed, from Genesis all the way through the end of the book of Revelation, including today, God is still looking for people who will believe in him, 
In fact, the Bible says that if you're going to come to God, you're going to have to first believe that he exists. And the second thing you have to believe is that he actually is going to do good to you and reward you if you will pursue him. If you will seek a relationship with him, he will reward that pursuit. The Bible says those two things are necessary in order for us to come to him, in order for us to, to make it from where we are in, in, in this life to where he would like us to be with him. God looked for someone that he could invest in. He was willing to give a relationship to someone. He found a man named Abraham. And then Abraham, the Bible says, one of the reasons God chose Abraham you can read about it in Genesis, I, I think perhaps it's chapter 18, something on that line. But uh, one of the reasons that God chose Abraham was because God knew that Abraham would not only trust God, but he would teach his children to trust God. And so that began a covenant relationship with generation after generation after generation. Abraham had a son named Isaac who passed on that same covenant and that same trust from Abraham to Isaac. Isaac passed it on to a son he had named Jacob. Jacob passed it on to his 12 sons, who we know as the children and the tribes of Israel. And basically what he taught them was to trust God, that God really exists, that God has a plan, that God wants to offer you a relationship, and he will reward you if you will pursue him. One of the sons of Jacob was named Joseph. And it's through Joseph that God decided that he was going to show us not only his goodness, but also what God was able to do in the life of someone who looked, it, it initially looked like they had no future. You see, Joseph was the 11th son. He was the 11th son, plus the daughters. But the 11th son in that particular uh, day and age was not looking to, to uh, inherit very much. Okay? I mean, there were, you know, uh, the first son got a double portion and the rest of them had to split the other half if, if the, there was anything left. Because, you know, to get the double portion, you also got to pick it out. So you generally pick the best of everything and kind of, I mean, that was just nature. But God wanted to show a, a new nature. And so God chose this young boy who was the smallest, the weakest, the youngest, the least in line. On top of that, his brothers didn't love him. His brothers didn't like him. In fact, the Bible says they hated him. And in fact, his brothers ended up selling Joseph. When he was 17 years old, they sold him into slavery. They told his daddy that a wild animal had killed him. You know? But they literally had put him into a pit and sold him to a foreign uh, 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 slave traders. Joseph was taken down into Egypt. You can read the story in Genesis. It's a wonderful account of what God was willing to do in the life of a young man who God knew would trust him, and God knew that Joseph would teach others about him. And so Joseph began this journey as a young, weak guy who, who, who had no hope of a future. He had no dream. And now things get worse. But God began to work in Joseph. And we have been taking a few weeks and talking about the life of Joseph. We are up to the point now in the life of Joseph where he's, he's gone through his, his days in the pit. He went into slavery. Then he became uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the slave of a man named Potiphar. 
He did well as a slave. In fact, he became the chief steward of this rich man's house. And God blessed this rich man because Joseph was a covenant partner with God. And so God blessed everything Joseph touched. You know, I mean, uh, if you really want to be doubly blessed, get people around you and surround yourself and and include other people who God is blessing in your life. If you can get God to bless someone else and then get them to be a part of your uh, life, uh, my goodness, that's just what we hope for, for, uh, you know, uh, for that's what we're hoping for our government. Okay? Whether it's our, our judges or our congressmen or our president or whomever else, that's what we're hoping is that, you know, uh, that, that they would be surrounded by godly people and godly people would, would influence them and, and the influence that they would have would, would redound unto blessings in our nation, blessings in our economy, that we would see more jobs, that we would see you know, uh, uh, you know, more affordable uh, uh, opportunities in life. And that is done because of the blessing of God. We see it all throughout the Word of God. And Joseph is, is, is an example of this. And so in Genesis, uh, as we begin to read from chapter 37 through all the way through the end of Genesis, is about the life of Joseph. Joseph, by the time we get to chapter 41, he's been sold by his brothers. He's, he's worked in the house of a, of, of a very wealthy man and done very well. But the wealthy man's wife lied about Joseph. Because Joseph would not do what she wanted, and so she tried to destroy his life. Do you know sometimes bad things happen to good people? But Joseph didn't give up on God. Joseph went into prison, but yet even in prison, Joseph continued to participate. He continued to present himself well. He continued to be kind. He continued to care about others. He continued to give God an opportunity to bless him and promote him. Do you know that God wants to work in our lives? And God wants, if, if we are in relationship with God, and if we are pursuing him, God wants to bless us so that he can bless others through us. But sometimes it's hard for God to bless us when he cannot get us to participate or cannot get us to present ourselves well. I mean, some people are very hard to promote and God would love to promote us or bless us a little more, but sometimes he kind of has to keep fixing the mistakes or, or, or fixing the problems that we might cause before he can bless us. But, but never despair. You know, uh, problems don't come just because you made a mistake. Sometimes problems just come. But God is with us in every one of them as the life of Joseph shows us. And so Joseph had been in prison, but he did well in prison. Even though he had to start all over, he participated, he showed himself well. He became the head trustee, but he still cared about people. He was still kind. He he was still honest and responsible. And so God continued to bless him. And one day, the Pharaoh had a dream And he was told by one of his servants that there was a man in prison that could interpret dreams. And so wouldn't you know it? I mean, here Joseph is apparently dirty and perhaps even ragged. I mean, the prisons, I've I've been to Egypt today. I mean, today it's dirty and today it's, it's kind of tough. And, you know, uh, uh, but, but, uh, you know, uh, imagine then and imagine in prison. You know, uh, uh, one of the things, if you happen to go to Cairo, one of the things you will notice is there is sand everywhere, okay? You can't walk through, I mean, there's nothing you can do. You're going to get dirty. You are, your clothes are going to get dirty. Imagine being in prison. 
You know, I'm certain he looked bad. In fact, the Bible says whenever Pharaoh called for Joseph to be brought out of the prison and brought into the palace, well, they had to shave him. They had to get him new clothes. They had to, you know, clean him up and everything. And then, you know, Joseph participated. He didn't just say, no, I'm not supposed to be here. You know, I've been done wrong. He didn't do that. He went along, you know, he was allowing God the time and the opportunity to work through him. And so Joseph finds himself in front of Pharaoh. And Joseph tells Pharaoh the interpretation of his dream. Joseph tells Pharaoh that there are going to be seven years of famine coming uh, 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 to, to the land and we need to prepare. Because before the seven years of famine, there's going to be seven wonderful years of so much increase. There will be a great harvest. God will bless us with so much for seven years. But then there's coming a famine. And that's what you need to be concerned about. Pharaoh said, what should I do? Joseph said, well, you should appoint someone in charge of this and let them prepare in the seven good years and put things back so that in the seven bad years, you will be able to feed your people and take care of things. And, and, and Pharaoh said, that sounds like a good idea. Now, the man that is talking to Pharaoh He's 30 years old at this time in his life, 30 years old. He has been a slave and in a pit, in a prison, a slave since he's 17, as we best understand, okay? So for 13 years, I mean, at 17 years old, how much could he have known, okay? I mean, he was, you know, he wasn't the eldest brother. He was the youngest brother. He didn't, I mean, he just didn't have much to do. And for 17 years, he just kind of hung around the house, the Bible encourages us to understand. And now for 13 more years, he's not had a whole lot of opportunity with a couple of exceptions. He worked real hard for Potiphar in his house and got to the place where he managed Potiphar's house as the chief steward. And then he worked real hard in the prison. And in the prison, he became a head trustee. Wow. So he has a little of experience behind him. But now he's 30 years old. And uh, what we will learn from him tonight are uh, going to be three more exercises in our 10 weeks of spiritual fitness. Uh, ushers, do you guys have uh, some of these cards here? Would you all hand these out? Uh, this is week number six, and so on this card here, I have week six, seven, eight, nine, and ten of exercises we need to add to our life. Go ahead and just hand one out to everyone if you would, and, and uh, uh, put this on your refrigerator. If you do not have a card with the week one, two, three, four, five on it, you can get it at the information desk. This is uh, week number six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and tonight we're on week number six, and we're talking about the exercises that we need to do and what we need to put into our life, the things that we need to include in our life so that we also can do what Joseph did and go from a place to where you're a 98-pound weakling with no future and you cannot imagine a better day to a place where you are ruler of the whole known world. The only person uh, you know, bigger than Joseph in the whole world was Pharaoh. Joseph was the ruler second only to the you know, Pharaoh, the ruler of the whole world. Amazing. How can God do that in your life? Well, there are 30 things 
that we have found in Joseph's life that made him an exemplary person. He learned these in life. He wasn't just born with them. He learned them, he embraced them, he employed them. Do you know our, our spiritual fitness lesson tonight, we're in lesson number six, uh, 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 before we get to Genesis chapter 41, uh, I wanna read to you a key scripture tonight from John chapter eight. The Bible says this, Jesus said this in, in, in verse 31, and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, you then are you my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Do you know, uh, knowing the truth does not make you free. Okay. That's not what it says. Many people quote this says, well, the truth shall make you free. Well, that's really not what it says. You have to take this in context. It says that if you continue in my word, you will know the truth. Okay. If you continue, and then you will be my disciples. You will be my disciplined followers. And if you will do these things, if you will continue in my word, and if you will be disciplined followers of my word, you will not only understand the truth, but the truth will begin to deliver you, and the truth will begin to work in your life, and the truth will begin to set you free all the way to the point to where you are free. What are you free from? Well, uh, you're, you're free from a whole lot of deception. You're free from thinking you can do it by yourself. You're free from thinking that it'll work another way or that all ways are the same. You're free free from all of those other things that would keep you bound and free being free from deception is very, very important. Tonight, I offer you uh, four facts. Number one, fact number one is that most of us are not reaching our potential. Okay. Just like Joseph, when he was 17 years old, just like he was in, in the pit, in the prison. And, you know, and, and, you know, most of us are not reaching our potential. I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I feel like there's more in me. You know, how about you? Anybody feel like you, you could do a little better? You could climb a little higher? You could run a little faster? You could, you could win a little more? Hmm? I, I feel that way. <clears throat> I know I'm old, but I'm not as old as some of you. <clears throat> <laughs> Paul, I'm talking about you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Most of us are not reaching our potential. Fact number two, you would do better if you only knew what to do. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Man, I would do better, you would do better if you only knew what to do. Knowing what to do, man, makes us do better, okay? At least it gives us the opportunity to do better. Fact number three, God knows what each person needs in order to reach their potential. You see, even though we may not know what we should do at any given moment or even what the next step might be or what, you know, five steps from now, we might not know how to position ourselves, but God does. God knows what each person needs. He knows the next step they need to take. He knows the next place they need to be. He knows the time. He knows what we need to put into our life, each one of us, to reach our potential. And fact number four, God is not hiding the truth from you. In fact, he brought you here, right here, right now, to tell you what you need to do. Isn't that amazing? You see, God is always positioning us to learn a next step. And it's not about the next hundred steps. It's about the next step. It's about the very thing that God wants you to do to please him. There's always something you can do to please God. And if we're not watchful, we can be focused on, on, on a step that we're not ready to take whenever the next step is the step we need to take. And we can miss and keep from taking the next step and miss what God has for us and end up falling short always, you know, even though God may push us into the steps, we never fully embrace or fully understand or fully enjoy or benefit from the next step. Every step we take with God should be filled with reward and blessing. 
and God knows the next step you need. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that you are here tonight in this very moment. You know, you know per, perhaps uh, you're listening to this in, in some other venue. And tonight, right now, today, you can receive the next step. I don't believe in happenstance, circumstance, coincidence. I believe that God guides us. The Bible says uh, in, in Psalms 37 that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. You know, God orders our steps. When we pick up our foot, God has a place for us to set it down. It may not seem that way, but yet God knows even the number of the hairs on your head, and he calls you by name. Your, your, your appointments, God is well aware of. He knows the end from the beginning. And he had already decided what he was going to do through Joseph's life if he could just get Joseph to participate and continue stepping through the process. Without knowing God's plan for our lives, we are often deceived, not only deceived to do something we shouldn't do, but deceived in not realizing what God is doing in our life and what God is doing all around us, how, how the plan of God is working out in our life and, 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 and just how involved God is. Sometimes we miss the joys of life because we can't see God working because sometimes we discount what God is doing. You know, Joseph did not discount what God was doing even though he found himself in a prison, yet Joseph knew God was working in his life. And and so he did not miss out on the opportunity for God to promote him and bless him and use him where he was. If we are not living where we are and in not enjoying and not enjoying victory and not enjoying Jesus and relationships where we are, if we're waiting to get somewhere else to have a good time, we're missing out on all the things that God has planned for us in our right now. God wants us to have joy and peace and, 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 and trust right now, right where we are. And so... Uh, I believe with all of my heart that, that we can waste time and we can make uh, costly decisions if we do not understand and embrace the plan of God for our life each day. You see, God's word contains his plan. And every day we can go to the word of God and find that plan. Uh, I believe that, that, uh, um, that the Bible is a guidebook that details the successful patterns of life which God wants his children to understand and embrace. There are successful patterns of life. We see a pattern in Joseph. That's, that, I believe, is, is, is the greatest reason why God put character after character after character after character in the Bible is so that we could look at the patterns of life. We could find someone in the Bible who's going through similar circumstances, situations, conditions of life that we are hoping for similar things in their life or perhaps completely you know, uh, uh, unaware that God is moving, but we can see God moving. I believe God shows us what he did in the lives of men and women like Joseph or like Rahab or like Mary or, or like John like Peter, God shows us what is going on in the life of real people in real situations of life so that we can see the patterns of life, how God interacts with us. That's why Joseph is such an important and prolific character, I believe. Uh, notice I said that, that, you know, um, that I believe that God's children understand and uh, 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 can follow the plan of God. I think Although the principles of God's word works, I believe they are written in the Bible to be understood by the children of God. I, I don't imagine that people who do not have a relationship with God understand. I think they continue to say, why? 
Why God? Why this way? Why, you know, they, they, they don't realize because the Bible says spiritual things are spiritually discerned. That's why Jesus, I said, uh, Jesus said, uh, you must be born again. That's why I believe that Jesus was so adamant about you must have a relationship. You must be born again because he wanted us not to just, uh, you know, uh, 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 fall into some uh, decent habit of life. He wanted us to understand his father and understand spiritual things. But spiritual things are only spiritually discerned. And it's so important to realize that there is a necessity for us to be born again so that we can understand as a child of God, we can understand the voice of our father. Well, the first step to understanding God's word, his will and his way is to become a child of God. And it's done through faith. And that faith is a gift of God. And tonight, if you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can be born again and begin to understand what right now seems like a mystery or even seems like foolishness. Now, I can understand why people think that the way we live and the way we believe and what we hope and the way we speak and our trust, I, I know that people don't understand that. Because I used to be one of those people. I didn't understand. I would look into a life of a Christian or, or into the life of the church or into the life of people who seemed religious. And I couldn't understand why they would, would think that or believe that or feel that. Now I do. Because once I got born again, the candle of the Lord w was, was lit in my life. And all of a sudden it shined on a greater revelation and, 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 and brought a relationship that brought me into a realization of of, of of, of, the, of the truth and the veracity and the, the, the honesty and the integrity of Almighty God and His Word. And now it doesn't just make sense. Now it permeates my life and my mind and my soul. And, and now, you know, it's, 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 it's natural. It's spiritually natural to think what God thinks. It's spiritually natural to feel what God feels and, and, and to want what God wants. And when I find myself at odds with that because his word shares a great revelation, then I find myself harnessing myself to move myself into a place of forgiveness, into a place of joy, into a place of hope, into a place of trust, into a place of, of, of you know, of, um, humility, self-control, whatever the situation is that's needed because of the understanding of the deep revelation that comes to a child of God when they hear their father's voice. It's trust. Well, uh, Let's move on, okay? Uh, you know, the, by the way, the power of the truth is not just in hearing the truth, but the power of the truth is in doing the truth, okay? Uh, let's move uh, to Genesis chapter 41. In Genesis chapter 41, uh, the first element, the first, you know, strategy, the first exercise that we need to have in our life tonight. This is number 16, I believe. Is that right? No. Uh, yeah, this is number 16 on the 30 list, okay? It's number one on the week six list. Confidence, okay? We need to add confidence to our life. One of the things I loved about Joseph is he was confident. He was confident. 
He was confident not in his own abilities because he was 30 years old and he had, you know, he had been a slave for 13 years and he left his father's house at 17 and he spent most of his time in the house. And so how did he have anything, you know, how did he know what to do? He knew almighty God was going to help him because the same God that had helped him before was capable of helping him in the things he was going to face. I mean, Joseph is just going to be asked here. In fact, look at it in Genesis 41, verse 39. The Bible says, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Now listen, just 30 minutes ago, this guy was in prison. You know, Maybe four years ago, he was, five years ago, he was, you know, just a, a slave in the house of a man, you know, and just, you know, 10 years ago, perhaps he was on the auction block, and 13 years ago, he was in a pit, hated by, he, I mean, I, now, all of a sudden, in one moment, in one second, Pharaoh is going to say, you, you are the one that's going to be the second ruler of all the world. I mean, wow. Because it was evident that God was with Joseph. That's what Pharaoh saw. Joseph had never been the ruler of a nation before. But he had been the ruler of a home. You remember? You remember when Potiphar bought him and took him into his home and, and Joseph did well and worked hard and proved himself and participated and presented himself well and, and was a man of integrity, a man of character, and he, he rose in the ranks in the home and became the head servant. And the Bible says that Potiphar didn't look to anything that was in his house and Joseph ran the whole house. Wow. You see, Joseph had been being prepared. Even in the times of slavery, even in the difficult days, Joseph was being prepared by God to be a manager of assets and a manager of people and a manager of workers. Joseph may not have understood it, but if Joseph had not have participated in Potiphar's house, he certainly would not have known what to do in the palace. And then we see him in the prison. You see, the same God that put him into Potiphar's house also managed for Joseph to be in a prison, and Joseph became the head trustee because he worked hard and he participated, and he did things the way they needed to be done. He didn't buck the system. He didn't sit down and quit. He wasn't mully grubby and, and woe is me and my sad day and look what's happened. Rather, he stood up and he worked hard, even in a place that, that, that was beneath him, even in a place that, 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 that belied who he was. And you see, it was in these days, in command of Potiphar's house, in command of the prison, the same God who had prepared Joseph in the past, the same God who had just positioned Joseph in this present moment was the same God who would prosper Joseph in the future. You see, life prepares us for our future. If you want to know what God wants you to do, look behind you and see what he's prepared you to do. God's been working in your life, even without respect to your knowledge, even without respect to your permission. God positions us and prepares us and takes us on an appointed round and gives us opportunity to serve him in a greater capacity. We may not even realize it sometimes. Joseph did not know that he was going to become the ruler of the nation. When he went in there, he thought he was just going to interpret a dream and probably be sent back to prison. 
God had a different plan and Joseph was prepared. You see, if you can look behind you and have confidence in the God of your past, then you can look ahead and have the same confidence in the God of your future. God has blessed you in your past. God has taken care of you. God has helped you. God has, has, has positioned you in your past. He has proved himself in your past. Well, don't despair. You see, we need to be confident that God is with us. We need to be confident that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We need to be confident that without respect to the burden or without respect to the position or without respect to the situation that we may face in our future, that we are well able because God is with us. Confidence speaks. You know, Joseph uh, could have at that moment said, oh my goodness, I can't do that. No way, no way, huh? you know, and you know, taking off screaming like an idiot because all of a sudden the weight of the world was upon him. But he had confidence, not in himself, but confidence in God. If you do not have any confidence in the God of your past, maybe you need to look and see which God you have been serving because the God of heaven gets results. He helps, he preserves. When David was young, you remember David volunteered to fight the giant? If you read the life of King David, you can see that David volunteered to fight Goliath. And King Saul said to David, my goodness, you can't do that. You're just a little boy. He's a, he, a battle-hardened warrior. He's a giant. What makes you think you can do that? David said, well, let me tell you why. Because I was out in the field and a bear came up and God Almighty helped me kill that bear. I grabbed him by his beard and I killed him. And then a lion came up to get the sheep and the lion was no different than the bear. I faced the lion and with my hands I slew him. And the same God that helped me kill the bear and the same God that was with me whenever the lion came up is the same God that's going to be with me in my future when I run out there and meet that giant. And that uncircumcised Philistine is no different than the bear of the lion. I can do it. Wow, I love that. Hey, that's good preaching. You need to say amen. I'm preaching better than you're amening. What is the principle? The principle is to have confidence in God, to know him and have confidence in him. By the way, that's in 1 Samuel 17, verse 37, if you want to read it, okay? Uh, <laughs> confidence, okay? Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A second thing you're going to see on your card that uh, I hope that you, you know, put in your car or hang on your refrigerator or do something and remember it is when you leave the house tomorrow, I want you to understand that whatever you face tomorrow, you need to have confidence that God is with you without respect to what you may be required to do or asked to do or go through, that God is with you. Have confidence. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. And have confidence that if you have confidence in God, and not just confidence in yourself, but if you will put your confidence in God, God will take you through every situation, whether it's a pit, a prison, or a palace. The same God will be with you everywhere. A second thing that we need to remind ourselves in the morning when we leave our house is that we also need to add meekness to our life. You see, meekness is one of the strengths that God respects. Someone who is humble, someone is meek. The Bible says in Numbers 12, verse 3, that now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. That's written in the book of Numbers. It says that Moses was more humble, meeker, if that's right. He was very meek above all the men. There's, nobody was more meek than he was. More meek or meeker? What do you think? Help me here. More? Thank you. I'm, I appreciate that. He was more meek 
than anybody on the face of the earth. Well, do you know who wrote the book of Numbers? Moses. He wrote that about himself. <laughs> now, Mr. Perry, doesn't that sound like Moses? He would write that about himself. I mean, there's, there's nobody more humble than me. Nobody on the whole earth is more meek than I am. Well, you know, and yet this is true. Well, meekness might not be what we imagine it to be. Meekness might not be weakness and it might not be shyness. Meekness might just be what we saw in Moses, an utter dependence upon God. To know that God's called me for something and it may not be in me. Moses said, my goodness, I can't do that. I'm not the one that can do that. I can't speak. I can't even do this. God said, listen, I'm going to be with you. Now you go and do it. Moses embraced that. Moses understood that he was dependent upon God. In the morning before you leave your house, let me tell you something. Get this thought in your mind, okay? That you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And your dependence is on him. That you need him. That you cannot do it without him. You know, whether it's our marriage or our finances or, or you know, our work, our job, our future, whatever God may call us to, we cannot do it without him. Without him, the Bible says, you can do nothing. Amazing, huh? All right. Well, the last thing, uh, you can read the, the rest of chapter 41, uh, but uh, the last thing that we want to talk about tonight is normal. I want to explain what normal is as I'm closing, okay? Normal. Now, what in the world does normal mean? Normal means normal. If you're not normal, look around, okay? And I don't know what normal is, but look around, and if you don't kind of fit into the picture, if, 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 if literally you're just way, way, way out there, okay, then you may need to consider being a little more normal. Normal is important. Unnormal, not normal, abnormal. There you go. It kind of freaks people out. People kind of want to stay away from you a little bit. But let me tell you, even in a greater respect, if we were to read through the rest of chapter 41 in the book of Genesis, we would find that Joseph in those first seven years was very, very, very busy. Can you imagine he was busy? I mean, he's learning a new job. You know how it is to learn a new job? Do you know how many times, you know, I would wake up in the middle of the night learning a new job, you know, dreaming that I, that I had to get back to work. I got to get back to work. I got to get back to work. Oh, they can't see me laying here, sitting down here. What am I doing? I mean, you, you ever have those dreams? My goodness, you know, you just want to do good at a new job. Well, well, can you imagine what Joseph needed? I mean, he was at a new job. He just came out of the, out of the prison. He was in a new job. He was ruler of the whole world. He was busy. He was having to do all kinds of things to prepare in that seven years. He had seven years to get everything ready or the whole world was going to starve and the plan of God was going to fail. But yet in that seven years, the Bible tells us that Joseph took time to be normal. He took time. He got married and he had two kids during that time. I submit to you he's pretty busy. He probably was a little frazzled at times. But he took time to do things that are reasonable in the process of life. He might have been ruler of the world at work, but he was daddy at home. He was husband at home. Plain and simple, he began to enjoy and participate in the process of life. Even though he was the ruler of the country, he yet was normal. He wasn't abnormal. He was normal. He participated in life evidenced by the fact that his two children, his two sons, one was named Ephraim and one was named Manasseh, 
they became leaders of two of the tribes of Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel, they are not all the sons of Jacob. Two of them are Jacob's grandsons who are Joseph's sons by an Egyptian woman because Joseph took time to raise them up and to introduce them to God and spend time with them so that they would know the covenant that God had given to his grandfather and his great-grandfather and his father and through him and that we believe in God. And even though we're living in Egypt and even though it's a busy time and even though daddy can't, you know, can't hardly think sometimes and I got all the people in the world to worry about and, and, and God's word is on me and his, his, his destiny. Yet I take time to spend time with my family and spend time with my children and to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord so they will know God. They'll know the God of their father. Man, that's good stuff. So what we're going to do, we're going to add these things to our lives, okay? We're going to understand our confidence that we need to have because God's with us. We're also going to understand that we can't do it without him, so we're going to remain humble and meek. And we're also going to look around in our lives and realize that even though we're busy and even though there may be a lot of pressure in our life, nonetheless, we need to make sure that we are taking part in life, that we are making a living, making a life, and making a difference, that we are participating, that we're going to work, that we're, you know, that we're, that, that we're, you know, managing a household, that we're raising children, that we're participating in life. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, won't you stand? I believe with all of my heart that if we put these things in practice in our life, through our life, you see, Joseph is going to live in Egypt. Joseph will live there for ninety-three years. Okay, wow. Joseph is going to be the ruler of Egypt. He begins at 30 years old as the ruler of Egypt. He's the ruler of Egypt until he's 110. Amazing. Huh? 80 years he will rule Egypt as second in command. Wow. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, he spent a few years in jail. Yeah, he was a slave for a little while. Yeah, his brothers didn't like him. But for 80 years, he was on top. Why? Because he was a guy like this. He knew his God. His daddy taught him about God. He trusted God. He had confidence in God. He remained humble and meek, and he participated in life. He embraced family. He raised a family. He took care of his family. I mean, the, whole, the rest of Genesis is all about him taking care of his family. The whole rest of it is about him spending time with his family and caring about him and taking care of him and being a part of their life. Isn't that amazing? Make a living, make a life, make a difference. Okay? We'll do that in life. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. And as we pray, let's remember our nation. You know, uh, we voted in a new president, I guess today. Voted yesterday, but it all got counted sometime in the middle of night time. We want to pray for President-elect Donald Trump. We want to also pray for the peace in our nation. Thank you. Our, our nation has had such peace today. It could have been turmoil. But I believe it's a result of the church praying, Second Chronicles 7, 14, for the last couple of years. I believe it is, I, I think that God is giving us a wonderful opportunity, not because of any individual or any party at all, 
but simply because of the church responding to God. And there seems to be peace and a willingness to work together in a nation that we haven't seen in the last many months that we have seen today. Let's, let's be a part of this. Let's pray and thank God for a continued working and that God would surround our leaders with people that would point them to him. Amen. Father, we thank you that, Lord, you seal these words in our heart, Lord, and teach us, Father, Lord, to have confidence, Lord, and remain, Lord, a meek, but also, Father, Lord, to participate in life, to make a living, make a life, make a difference, sir, to remind ourselves of these things daily, Lord, and to look into the word of God and observe the successful patterns, Lord, of your children, Lord, that we might also, Father, uh, uh, embrace the truths and the principles, Lord, that are outlined in your word. And God, we also pray, Lord, tonight for our nation. We thank you, first of all, Lord, for the peaceful transition of power in our nation, Lord. So many nations, Lord, have not enjoyed that in their past, Lord. And, and God, even today, Lord, nations are in turmoil because of the inner uh, uh, structure, Lord, that, 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 that just gives way to such a, a confusion, Lord, and such division. God, we pray, Lord, that you would heal and unify our nation, Lord, and that you would be the one that would guide us, Lord. You would be the one that would around, uh, uh, Lord, our president, our Congress, Lord, our Senate, our judiciary, Lord, all of our local and, and state elected officials, Lord. You would surround them, God, with people, God, that would point them to you, Lord, with good counselors. Bless our nation, sir, and Lord, make us a blessing, sir. Thank you for the peace, Lord, the unity, God. I know, uh, Father, that we have to work for it. We have to believe for it, but help us, Lord, as a church to continue to be a, 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 a peaceful uh, uh, um, um, uh, offering, Lord. Thanks, sir. We love you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.